One of the most common fears people have is the fear of loss. This message is the third in the series, Fear Less. The message is entitled, Less Fear of Loss. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, as we turn our attention to God's Word today. And we're involved in this series of messages called Fearless. And I want to talk to you uh, this weekend about the fear of loss in your life. How do you deal with the fear of loss in your life? Several months ago, as I mentioned already, as, we, as I was preparing for the new year and thinking about what God would have me to share as your pastor with us this year in 2016 and, and beyond, I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit in my heart with two words, and those words are, as you see the title of the series, Fear Less. It was very interesting to me that the word was not fearless, it was the word fearless, two words, not one, because fearless emphasizes the fact that you're actually completely, totally, absolutely free of fear, and there's, there will never be a time in any of our lives when we don't have any fear at all. In fact, some fear is good for you, some fear is healthy for you, there are good kinds of fear in life. But very distinctly, the Holy Spirit whispered in my heart the two words, fear less, that God wants us to have less of the bad kind of fear, less of the dysfunctional kind of fear. And part of us growing as Christian believers is learning how to strengthen our faith and lessen our fears, how to grow stronger in our confidence in God and, and less anxious about our lives and about our future. And so that's really what this series is all about. How do we lessen the impact of fear upon us? And what does God's Word have to say about that? And the focus of the message this weekend, as I said, is the idea, the topic, the concept of the fear of loss. And so I want to share with you four things this weekend about the fear of loss. The first three are foundational. The fourth one is where I will spend most of my time. But the first three are essential in understanding the fourth one. And the first point I want to make today as we look into this topic of fear less as it, as it relates to the fear of loss is that the fear of loss is something that is very common to all of us. Every person in this room, at times you will have fear about losing things. The fear of loss. Loss is having something taken away from you. It's what you had you don't have anymore. What you had access to you don't have access to anymore. What you had influence over you don't have influence over any longer. And we all have the fear of losing things in life. Losing something that we have. It might be the loss of our life. Some people are very afraid of death. It may be the loss of a loved one that's very near and dear to us that we're concerned about. It might be the loss or the fear of the loss of a job or provision or a relationship. All kind of things that we could talk about today. It might be your health. It might be a sense of value or worth. But every person here, at certain times you face, you have to deal with the fear of losing something. And the reason that we fear losing things is because in life we develop attachments. I don't want to lose something because I'm attached to it. Or we don't want to lose it because I have affection for it. I love that person or that thing. Or maybe my identity is connected to it. For a variety of different reasons, we want to hold on to things in life. It's our security blanket. Don't take that away from me. It resources me in some way. And the fear of loss is very, very common. Every person battles it. Many times it's very subtle, but it has an impact upon your life. And that leads to my second point. The fear of loss creates something in all of us called an anxious soul. I'd like to invite you to circle, if you will, if you're taking notes today, circle on your notes there the phrase anxious soul. 
when the fear of loss is exacerbated, intensified in your life, what happens is it, it affects you and your soul. Every human being, I believe, according to Scripture, is a three-part being. We are spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is what relates to God. We experience God and are born again by His Holy Spirit. We put our faith in Christ in our spirit. The Spirit of God lives in our spirit. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit in our spirit. Our soul is our personality, our mind, our will, our emotions. It is who we are, where we live our life from. We live our life out of our soul. We live our life out of our heart. When you talk about giving your heart and soul to someone, you're talking about giving them the essence of who you are. And your heart, your soul is very important. What goes on in your heart and soul is very important. That's why the book of Proverbs, the writer, the wise writer said in Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. He says, be careful what's happening in your heart. Be careful what gets into your soul. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14 verse 1 when he was with his disciples and He's explaining to them that he's going to go away from them. He's been with them for three, three and a half years, and they've given all to follow him. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die, and I'm going to go back to heaven, rise from the grave and go back to heaven. And they were having a hard time wrapping their mind around the fact that Jesus wasn't going to be there anymore. And then Jesus spoke these words in John 14, verse 1. He said, do not let your hearts be, be troubled. Don't let anxiety get in your heart. You believe in God, believe also in me. So Jesus was concerned about the anxiety that sometimes can and does get into our soul. And when anxiety and fear gets into your heart, it creates all kind of problems for you. All kind of problems. You can't really get rested. You know, you can go on a vacation. If you have an anxious heart, you'll come back as tired as you were before you left. See, vacations, the greatest resort in the world will never give you peace in your heart. And there are a lot of people that try to do all kinds of things to alleviate what they're feeling in their heart, but it doesn't take it away because when anxiety gets into your soul, it, it, it robs you of rest. It causes you to keep thinking about all the contingencies of life and to live sort of reactively instead of proactively and overreact to the things of life that come your way. And perhaps the best way I could describe uh, one of the impacts of the, of the fear of loss in your life, anxiety in your soul, is that what it does for people, it causes them to play the game of life not to lose rather than playing the game of life to win. That's a very important distinction. Did you hear what I said? To, to engage in the game of life not to lose or to engage in the game of life to win. See, God didn't create you just not to be a loser. God created you to be a winner. There's a difference, okay? See, when you're living not to lose, you're always living on the defense and you're always living a very protected life. I don't want to lose this. I want to hold on to what I have. But when you're playing to win, there's the capacity for appropriate risk in your life. There's the capacity to step beyond boundaries in your life as you need to. It frees you up from the torment and the limitation of an anxious soul. And that's what Jesus was warning about. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let anxiety get into your soul. The third foundational point that I want to share with you this, this weekend is that the fear of loss actually causes you to tighten your grip in life destructively. How do you hold on to something that you don't want to lose? Very tight, don't you? Have you ever been maybe to a 
maybe like a, a bridge or something where it feels like it may be a top of a building where you're looking at a scenic view and you step to the side and you have some, some possessions with you. Maybe, ladies, you've got your pocketbook with you. Maybe your kid's with you, whatever it might be. And as soon as you step to that edge and there's a potential of losing something, what do you do? Hopefully you don't push your kids off, say, okay, bye, bye kids. Hopefully you grab them and say, you pull them in close, right? You grab your possessions, you tighten down. Why? Because anytime you fear losing something, what do you do with your grip? You tighten your grip on things you don't want to lose. And when you tighten your grip on things you don't want to lose, here's the downside of that. If you're in a relationship that you're so worried about losing and you feel this insecurity and fear about losing the relationship, what you'll start doing is you'll start tightening your grip on the relationship Ultimately, you'll actually repel a person from you instead of attracting a person to you. You actually can strangle the life out of a relationship by doing this. Have you noticed that? Okay. And when you get so needy and so anxious and so worried about stuff in life that you're going to lose, you live like this and oftentimes you're strangling possibilities around you by the fear that is in you. The very fear that you, you actually are, you're actually becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because the things you're fearing are coming to pass because of the fear's effect, effect upon you and the circumstances around you. And so that's why it causes you to kind of grip down, to hold on, and it actually ends up creating great, great problems for you. Create bad situations, make bad decisions, messes up your emotions. It also creates obsessions in you. When you're gripping down on something, when you're afraid of something deeply, you become obsessed with it. If you are afraid of losing your health, what do you become obsessed with? Come on, help me out. Your health. You're on the internet all the time. Oh, I wonder if that's, do I have that disease? I don't know. No, that one's worse. That's the one I have, okay? Right? And all the symptoms, no matter what the symptoms are, they always fit you, right? Okay? You become obsessed with your health. If you're afraid of losing money, what do you think about all the time? Money. You find people that think about money, they're afraid they're going to lose it. So that's all they think about. And so you, your mind becomes obsessed and you can't make good decisions out of a fear mindset. It happens in so many different realms of life. I want to share with you the fourth and really the major point of my message today. And this is the point of practical application. What do you and I do uh, with this fear of loss? And that's the simple fact that less fear of loss is linked to the way you think. Circle the phrase there, linked to the way you think. Why do we fear loss so much? It's primarily because of the way we think about things, people, and relationships. Say it with me. Things, people, and relationships. How you think about things, people, and relationships will affect every dimension of your life. If you're thinking the wrong way, it messes with your life big time. So you have to, what I would call, tweak the way you think. And so I'm going to give you eight changes of thinking today. The beautiful thing about God's Word is it changes the way we think. There are many of you, for example, when you met Jesus maybe a year ago or five years ago or some of you who've been a Christian maybe uh, for 25 or 30 years, would you agree with me? Can I get a little testimony here today that, that your thinking has changed since you met Jesus? Anybody had your, your mind, is it changed? Do you think differently now? Okay. The rest of you don't? Okay. We'll start another class for you after church, okay? okay. All right. 
It changes the way you think. But it's an ongoing process. When Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So the renewing is a process. I'm still having my mind renewed. I, I, I get some stinking thinking at times. Do you? Okay. And when you get some stinking thinking going on up here in your head, it messes with you big time. And so how do you get on track? How do you have less fear of loss in your life or less fear of anything? You change the way you think. So I'm going to give you a, a positive brainwash today. You ready for that? Okay. I'm going to help you to have a washing with the word today. And it washes your mind so you can think the Bible way. And here are eight ways to adjust your thinking. Number one, adjust your thinking by realizing that losses are part of life. Everybody has them and you have to accept the reality that losses are part of life. Loss is a part of the cycle of life. There is no cycle of life without loss. And knowing this doesn't make it easy. It doesn't excuse the pain that we experience as we go through losses. But accepting that as a reality is a wonderful way to move down a healthy process of thinking. Loss is part of life. Say it with me. Loss is part of life. Jesus made this clear to his disciples. We talked about that a moment ago, how he was talking to them about his going away. And he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. I want you in me to have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus said that, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So part of trouble in life is dealing with loss. Loss is a reality. Number two, grieving should always lead to growing. When you lose something, what is the natural emotional response to loss? It is grief. Grief is not bad. Grief is good. Given certain boundaries. If you've lost someone that you love, it is natural that you would grieve. In fact, if you don't grieve when you lose someone, then it worries me. I like to see people in a healthy stage of grief. It is positive to be in a place of grief in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, if you are trying to help someone who's going through a loss in their life, you're not being a great Christian by telling them, don't grieve, get over it. It doesn't help anybody, okay? Being with them in the process, walking them through it, and be, being there as a supportive person is what you want to be as a Christian believer. We don't just get over grief, but we, but we do get over grief by growing through it. This is very important because what you don't want to do when you've lost something in your life is to grieve to the point that you get lost in your grief. That's where it becomes detrimental to you. And there's some of us perhaps here today that we've gotten lost in some grief and instead of growing our way through it and letting it work its work in our lives, we actually have gotten to the point where we're bogged down and we haven't processed it well. Grief works well for you if you process it, but you have to deal with it. That's why we here at our church have something called a grief care ministry. And why is that ministry in place? Because we want to help people who go through losses work their way through it. It takes time. For some people, it takes longer than others. For some, shorter than others. It doesn't really so much matter what the timeline is as much as it matters. Are you working your way through it? Are you processing grief in your life? But grief should always lead to, what's the word again? Growth. God's plan for you is not to leave you in your grief. That's why David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, even though I live in the valley of the shadow of death. He said, even though I walk, what? Through it. I'm going to another destination. I'm going through it, but I'm not going to stay there. 
I love Psalm 30, verse 5. It says this, Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I love the promise of that. You may weep for a night period, but understand something. In God, there is always a new sunrise. In God, there's always new sunlight. In God, the morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, will come in your life. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Read verse 4 together with me. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There are seasons of life. And if you're in the season of grief, it's okay to be in the season of grief. Just don't set up your house there. Don't live there for the rest of your life. Work your way through it. Number three, losses lead to new opportunities. This is how you need to think when you lose something. Instead, this is the worst thing in the world to say, okay, what are the new opportunities that come out of this loss? Let me say something here just for a moment. I want to qualify what I'm about to say here. I'm in no way saying that loss is fun. I'm in no way saying that loss is, can, is not painful. Loss is painful. Loss is not fun at times. But what you want to do when, when you lose something, when you lose a loved one, when you lose a job, when you lose whatever you have that you don't have anymore, is to step back as, you, as you're working your way through the grief, to step back at some point and say, okay, what new now can I bring into my life? Because when you lose something, it creates space for something else, right? If I have this in my hand and this is gone from my hand, I have space for something else in my hand. And what happens for a lot of people, they lose something in their life and they never put anything back in their hands. So you might lose some, someone from your life or lose something in your life, but that's not the end of your life, amen? And we'll talk about that more in a moment. There's something still for you to do. And so when something is gone, you want to find what now can I pick up to occupy my life with now that that is gone? What are the new opportunities for my life? Jesus was very clear about this in the same chapter we've been looking at uh, related to Jesus' conversation with his disciples about his death, about his, his going away from them after he rose from the grave going back to heaven. And I want you to listen. Very distinct, interesting words that Jesus uses here uh, for us. He says, but very truly I tell you, he's talking to his disciples to us as well, it is for your good that I am, what are the, what are the words there? It's for your good that you're losing me. Now we know that in the theological grand scheme of things, we didn't lose Jesus. He went back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, as we'll see here in just a moment. But he's talking about his physical presence in the earth. He says, it is for your good that I am going away. You're going to lose me like you've known me. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here's a question for you. Are we better off now? Would we be better off if Jesus were physically present on the earth still today? Or are we better off that Jesus is in heaven? Very important question for you. Would we be better off if Jesus were physically right now here in the earth in the physical form he had over 2,000 years ago, or are we better off now that he's in heaven? We're better off now because he is in heaven. Why? Because when he went to heaven, see, when he was on earth, let me go back to that for a moment, when he was on earth, he was limited by time and space and place. He was God in flesh. Was he God? Yes, 
fully God, but also fully man. And so in being fully man, he had subjected himself to time and space and place. So if he was here, he couldn't be here, okay? It was impossible because he had set those limitations on him coming from heaven to earth. That's why the scripture talks about that in Philippians chapter 2, the kind of parameters he set upon himself when he came, emptied himself and came. Now, when he went back to heaven and ascended back at the right hand of God the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. And now the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is not limited by time or space or place, which means that wherever I go, Jesus goes with me. And if you know him, wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. And if I go to Frederick and you go to Rockville, Jesus goes with both of us, okay? Right? That good to know? Okay. Right? And so are we better off? Jesus says, better for you. There's a new opportunity now that I'm opening for your life. And losses can provide the opportunity for us to see and experience the newness that God has in store for us. Number four, fourth thing, change your thinking. And remember this, God is God, I am not. Sometimes we think that we're God. Oh, we would never say that, but we, we play that role in people's lives and the world around us by trying to control things we can't control. The psalmist David in Psalm 11, very beautiful passage. He makes an observation about a very, very painful time in his own life. And listen to what he said. He was going through a really tough time. He, he writes these words, verse 1. In the Lord I take refuge. He says, I run to God. He's my, he's, my, he's my safe place. How then, now he's talking to the people around him. How then... Can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright heart. David said, you're telling me to run away from my problems. You're telling me to run away from my troubles. You're telling me to run to the mountains to get away from this pain in my life. Isn't it interesting that, that thousands of years ago, people were still giving that bad advice, run from your problems. David said, how could you say to me, flee like a bird? I know I've got some threats. I know I've got some stuff going on in my life. And then he asked a question in verse number three. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can, right, what can the righteous do? He says, when it seems like life is falling apart, when losses are all around me, what can good people, what can godly people, what can righteous people do when life is coming apart at the seams, when losses and threats are all around? What do good people do in times like that? And then he answers his own question with a statement in verse number four. And I want you to read verse four with me. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. I love that. David said, yeah, you know what? You're telling me to run from my problems. And I'm seeing all these threats. And I'm looking at the foundations that are being destroyed around me. But you know what I know? I know that God is still in his holy temple and God is still on his throne. David was saying, I know that God is still God. Amen. And I want you to know today that if you've experienced some losses in your life, that God has not stopped being God. That God is still God in your life. He is still on his throne. And remember, God is God. I am not. Number five, change your thinking by adjusting your, your thoughts about yourself and saying, I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for anybody else. 
When you're walking through losses or you're facing the fear of loss in your life, just say, you can't control what anybody else is going to do, right? You have no control over other people. If you think you control other people, you're a fool. You are deluded because you can't control. In fact, it's, just, it's, it's a fallacy to think that you can control anybody. I have a hard enough time controlling myself. How about you, right? To think I can control somebody else? No. You waste so much energy trying to do that. But to say, you know, who, I'm, who am I responsible for in all this? I am responsible for me. I'm responsible for my actions and my reactions. When I go through whatever I go through, the losses that I experience, it's really not about anybody else. It's just really about me. It's not about comparing myself to someone else. You can, get that, you can go down that road. It'll really mess you up as well. Oh, look at them. They, don't, they never experience. Look, I've lost this. They, haven't, they never lost anything. You can go down all these comparison roads if you're, if you're not careful. It really will create all kind of problems and di disturbance inside of you. But to say, you know what? I am responsible for me. I love, again, Psalm 37, verse 3, as it gives us instruction about this. Here's what we're told to do. Here, here is how you're to live your life. I promise you, if you'll live your life this way for the rest of your life, you'll never be sorry for it. Trust in the Lord and do good. What's your responsibility for the rest of your life? Come on, church, help me out. When you wake up tomorrow morning, what's your job? Tuesday morning? A week from Tuesday? 20 years from now? Every day you wake up, okay, my job today is trust in the Lord and do good. It didn't say trust in the Lord and try to change everybody. It didn't say trust in the Lord and check out how good other people are doing. It said trust in the Lord and you do good. And then you're going to dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. How, how do you experience the, the best dwelling of your life and the safest kind of life you can experience? By doing two things that only you can do for you. And that is to trust in the Lord and do good. Number six. Just your thinking. Realize my life has purpose and God has a plan. Losses are a part of what I would call God's tapestry of your life. When you go through losses, actually what happens is God can use that if you allow him to, to weave a tapestry, a beautiful uh, image into your life. Tapestries, if you're familiar with them, are multicolored. And the thing that makes a tapestry really a most, the most beautiful tapestry is all the, the, the variety of colors that go into it and the stitching that goes along with it. And taking different yarn and thread and combining it together so something artistic and beautiful happens. And God, when you live for God and serve Him, God takes all the different experiences of life and they all come in different colors, don't they? Okay? Some are blue and some are red and some are green and some are you just going through all the different color schemes. Life has all kind of colors of experience that, that God allows us to walk through in life. And what makes a rich and beautiful life is when you give these to God and you let Him begin to weave a tapestry of an artistic work that is the unique display of your life. I've met some of the old saints who've allowed God to do this and I just love being around them. You know why? Because I just, I just love to just drink in the beauty of who they are because they've let the experiences of their life weave into them this tapestry, this artist's work of God 
And God wants to do that with you as well. James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, would you agree that losses are troubles, right? When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it and consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance or patience is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing as God accomplishes his purpose and fulfills his plan through these things. Romans 8, 28. I love this verse as well. If you're a Christian for any length of time, you know it. And, and we know, Paul says, we know we're sure of this, that God causes, circle the word causes. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. God causes everything to work together for the good, circle good. So what does God cause? God causes good for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I saw something in this passage. I've known this verse, I don't know how many years, a pile of years. But I saw something new in it recently. I mean, literally in the last month or less. And God... We know that God, what was the word? Causes all things to work together for the God causes good. When things that are bad or seem to be bad happen to us, here's our responsibility. We take the stuff of life that seems ugly and bad and we bring it to God and then there's the, God, there's the God effect. There's the God impact. God takes the bad and what was the first word you circled? Causes. Okay. See, there, there are people you can give a, a lump of clay to that's ugly and they cause something to happen with it that's beautiful, right? Okay. When you take what seems ugly in your life, you bring it to God, God does His work on it. God does His, He has His impact. He causes because God cannot come near something, be near something without there being an impact, okay? You can't experience God without having some kind of change. So God takes what is there and there's a cause. It is the God cause. It is the God factor that happens there when you bring it to God and God takes what you think is a mess. God takes what you think is, think is ugly and bad and horrible and God says, let me have that for a moment. Let me work on it just a little bit. Let me do my job on it. Let me do my cause on it. And he begins to do his cause work on it and before long it's now something good there's the beneficial effect so God causes all things to work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose so here's my my word my encouragement today what's what's bad in your life what's ugly what's painful in your life? you need to bring it to God so God can cause, okay? He can have the impact upon it. This is not a passive thing. This is something we do. We're engaged in the process. I bring it to God, and God causes it now to be transformed, to work together for good in my life. Amen. Anybody getting this this morning, okay? You getting it? Okay. This is transformational. This changes the way you think, okay? Changes everything about the way you think. Let's go to have two more. Number seven, God's love and care are my security. Romans 8, 38, 39, for I am convinced. That's a very strong word, by the way. I'm convinced that neither death, would you agree death is a loss, right? 
nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Never base your security, listen closely, never base your security in people, things, and relationships. Don't do it. Nothing wrong. I, I, I love people. I want as many wonderful people in my life as possible. I want, I, I don't, I'm not saying be antisocial. Please understand that, okay? If you're antisocial, social, you need help, okay? But you want to be a social person, okay? So you need to, but don't build your security around people, things, or relationships. Because people will, can hurt you. Anybody have that experience in life? Okay. Nobody? Okay. Possessions can disappear. Things can go away. Can be stolen. Taken away. Not have them anymore. You can be a billionaire today. The stock market can crash. And you can be nothing tomorrow. Do you understand that? That's real. Okay. And relationships. Relationships can break apart. Sadly, they can. Okay. So if your security are in either of those three things, you're gonna, you will be very insecure because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop at some point in time in one of those three categories. You're always living like this. Okay? But instead, say, you know what, God? Above all the people in my life, the stuff that I have or don't have, and the relationships that are here or may not be here, you are my source of love and you are my source of security. That frees us so much. And finally, the last thing, I want to wrap up quickly here with this. I will live with open hands instead of clenched fist. This is a key to living life well and to being free or having less fear of loss. In your life. To live your life with, what is, what's the phrase there? Open hands instead of a clenched fist. There's a passage in the Bible that says this. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Anybody know the rest of that passage? Blessed be the... Come on, church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you know who said that? That phrase is found... In the book of Job, the book that you never want to read, okay? okay. You get to your devotionals, Job, I think I'll just pass that one, okay? But it's right there in the book of Job, and I would submit to you that I believe it's one of the key parts that brought Job through to great victory in his life. Because he had an attitude. He said, you know what, I'm not going to live like this. The Lord gives... And the Lord takes away. When he gives, blessed be the name of the Lord. When something goes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. When something's coming to me that I'm excited about, blessed be the name of the Lord. When something is going away from me that I'm not so excited about, blessed be the name of the Lord. And I would submit again to you that if you will adopt that kind of attitude in life, you can expect to be a winner. Because if you read the last chapter of the book of Job, you will find out that a man that started out at a tough place in chapter 1 ends up in a tr tremendously victorious place in the last chapter of the book. Why? Because he had the attitude, 
The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Say it with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can put your notes away. I'm done teaching today, but, but there's something else I want to do this weekend. As I was praying yesterday and asking God for some direction about this weekend and what we're supposed to do and how to respond to the message, I felt prompted to pray for two groups of people. And I'm going to pray that. I, I, I believe that Jesus shows up and works in people's lives. I believe that we still live in the day of miracles. Do you? Okay. Do you believe that? Okay. I believe that God wants to do something in some lives in a very unique way. And so we're going to pray here in just a moment for some folks. The first group of people I want to pray for are people who are stuck in your grief. Some of you that you've had a loss in your life, and it might have been last year or 20 years ago, but there's something that you just can't get past, and I don't know what the loss may have been. It could be a variety of different things, but, but grief has just held you back, and you know that you're ready for, for God to touch that hurting part of your being. And, I, and, and healing from grief is usually a process. Uh, sometimes it can be like an instant, instant moment that God will show up and help you with, with something like this, but usually it's a process that God will use, but there's sort of a kick start. You've got to get the engine going, okay, for the, for the journey to happen. And I believe that today can be that kick start journey for some of you to begin a healing process of some real pain in your soul from something that's a, a loss in your past. It may have been a relationship that didn't work out. It may have been a marriage that fell apart. It might be a loved one that you lost you haven't been able to get past. But I believe that we serve a Jesus who is able to help heal. Amen. Our broken hearts, he does that. There's a second group of people I want to pray for today. And that's those that are really find yourself really struggling from time to time with this fear of loss. You know, if you tend to live more like this than like this. And you want to, get, you want to see a breakthrough in that. You want to begin to see that lessened in your life. And, and, and you need God's power today to help you. And I want us, we're all at home today. This is family, okay? We don't have to impress anybody. Isn't it good to know you don't have to impress anybody? There's no perfect people in the room. Anybody perfect here, please leave right now, okay? Go ahead and leave, okay? We don't want anyone but imperfect people in this room because we're all imperfect, okay? We all have brokenness in our lives. So you don't need to be embarrassed about anything I'm going to ask of you in just a moment. But the first thing I want everybody to do is just to bow your head. And we're going to do this across all of our campuses. Every campus, stay with me right now for the next few moments. And I want every head bowed, every eye closed. This is for the sake of privacy. That's all the reason we're doing that. And across our campuses, wherever you are today, if you'd say, you know, I still ha I'm stuck in some grief. I I've got some stuff in my soul that I know it's been there for a while. I haven't been able to get past it. I know that I need to move forward. I don't want to live in this valley any longer. I want to grow through my grief. And, and you're ready for, to invite Jesus to help you with that today, I'm going to ask you just to take a step of faith by just holding your hand up. That's the way you do it. Just hold your hand up. That's the way you're acknowledging that to Jesus. Don't worry about anybody else. Well, what if somebody knows I'm doing that? Who cares, okay? What matters is you're getting well. You're being whole on the inside. Lots of hands going up. going to wait just another moment. Anybody else? Just as your moment. Lay aside pride, anything else. Lord, in the name of Jesus, across all of our campuses today, I thank you that your sweet presence is in this place right now. I thank you that your Father God, that you're the Abba that comes to put arms around us and to comfort us in the midst of our pain and our grief. You're the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for those who've gone through losses in life that they're still suffering from. They haven't recuper recuperated as of yet. Lord, there's still that pain of grief down inside of them that... 
Lord, that wells up many times and in fact overwhelms them many times and maybe has limited them in certain dimensions of life. And Father, I pray that today in the mighty name of Jesus, whether it's been the loss of a loved one, the loss of a business, the loss of a relationship, the loss of something in life that has caused grief, I pray that today in Jesus' name that right now you would come and begin, Lord, that, that beginning process of restoration that only you can bring. Heal the brokenhearted. Comfort, I do pray today in the name of Jesus that the comfort of the Holy Spirit would be shed abroad in these hearts that are reaching out to you in Jesus' name. You can put your hands down now. There's a second group, as I mentioned, I want to pray for. If you're struggling, it's just this fear of loss thing is just, just kind of over the top with you and it just keeps hanging, banging away at you and you're struggling with it and you need a breakthrough from that thing in your life, I want you just to lift your hand up right where you are. Again, don't be embarrassed about anybody around you. This is about you and God right now. This needs to be a breakthrough moment all across all of our campuses. Just lift that hand up as I pray for you. Father, I thank you that you love us enough to give us the power to experience breakthroughs. The Word of God says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the casting down of strongholds. Lord, today in the name of Jesus, I come against the strongholds of fear in the name that is above every name. Your word says that perfect love drives out fear. And I pray that right now in the name of Jesus that your perfect love would begin to drive these waves of fear from our hearts. Lord, I pray that where there's been anxiety in our soul that you would begin a new process today of healing and Lord, restoration and real deliverance from this stuff in our life. I pray that faith would rise, that we would make the decision to do as the psalmist declared, to trust in the Lord and to do good. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God. And we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. 
And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.